So Naomi has already changed her mind. By this point in the narrative, she has resolved that she is going to return to Bethlehem, right? And now she seeks to warn Orpah and Ruth to do what? Count the cost. Count the cost. She makes a plea for them to return. And she, in fact, she says this. She says she wants each of them to return to their mother's house. So let me give you key point number two, and then we're going to unpack why she said that. Key point number two is this. Before we commit to the Lord, we should count the cost. Right? I mean, Jesus told us to do that. Don't just follow him. He says, before you, before you commit, I want you to really count the cost. I want you to really consider what, what you're up for. And that seems to be what Naomi is doing with uh, the two widows, her two daughters-in-law with her. I want you to listen to Naomi's plea. I want you to hear what she's saying and how she's saying it to her daughters-in-law. And as you listen, I want you to see if you can identify where the chiastic structure starts putting things in reverse, right? You're going forward, going forward, going forward. I want you to listen for that moment where, oh, I heard that, but it's in reverse. Okay, so let's listen. And I want to point out a few things along the way. Ruth chapter 1, we're going to pick back up at verse 8. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go, return. There's the first plea. Go back, each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them. And they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, Surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back. Again, here she goes again. Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters-in-law. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight... And should also bear sons. Would you wait for them till they're full grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters. For it grieves me very much for your sakes. That the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clung to her. And she said, look. Your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Now, a couple of things to look at here. Why did Naomi repeatedly try to send them back? Hear me on this. It is, it is a difficult thing to be a widow in any culture. Can you imagine? I just want you to think about that for a minute. I, I think about, you know, Cheryl and I have been married 30 plus years. And I think about what a hardship that would be on her. Um, and, you know, I, could, I could make some jokes about her being better off, but in reality, what? What a hardship. What a hardship that would be. And it's, and, and we're not... We're not in Moab. We're in the United States. We're in a prosperous time. We're, we typically don't talk about famines and things that, of that nature. We have 
we have the ability, and, and Cheryl has a job. She has, I mean, there's so many, there's so many different things when we, when we compare our culture today to then. It would still be hard even in today's culture. And I think every widow would agree with that statement. It's hard. It's hard. Uh, and I can think of, I have widows in mind right now so that I know that I'm, I'm friends with and and I think about the hardship of what they're, what they're going through. Naomi has been going through that for a while, years. She's been without her husband. And now, very likely because of war, she lost both of her sons at the same time. She's a widow, and now her daughters-in-law are both widows. She's grieving. And not only is she grieving, she grieves for her daughters-in-law such to the point that she is saying, she gets to this point, all three of them, by the way, all three of them got on the road. They're all three headed back, right? They're all three headed to Bethlehem, according to the passage. They're on their way. But there came a point where Naomi stopped and she turns to them and is like, all right, we're, we're, maybe this is a point of no return, like, look, it's going to get rough after this. The terrain is going to be really difficult to navigate. We've got a lot ahead where there's going to be difficult, a difficult path. And I think Naomi was saying, go back, go back, go back multiple times. Because she's saying, if you think it's hard being a widow in your homeland, it's about to get harder. It's going to get even harder. Because you're about to go to Bethlehem, a Moabitess woman, a Moabitess widow. It's going to be hard on you. It's not going to be easy. And she's trying to plead with them. Count the cost. This is not an easy road to travel. And when we get there, not going to be easy. And she is doing everything that she can to convince them you know, to stay. She genuinely wants what's best for them. But she sees the situation as hopeless. She sees it as hopeless. Now, did you hear the chiastic structure shift? Did you hear it? If you didn't, it's okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to look at it, and you're going to go, ah, right there it is. Let's look at verse 9. Verse 9 says this. Um, very end. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. So what, what, what did they do? What did she do? She kissed them and lifted up their voices and wept. Now look, look at verse 14. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Did you, sit, did you hear the shift this time? And the first one, it was they kissed goodbye, and then they lifted up their voices and, and, and wept, and in the second one, they wept, they lifted up their voices, wept again, and it's followed by, they kissed goodbye. So what we have in verses 9 and 14 is the reversal. Okay, you see it now? Are you trekking with me? So let's paint the picture, right? What's going on here? Three widows hitting the road. They're on a journey to Bethlehem. At some point, 
very likely early on in the journey, Naomi stops and she makes this plea. And she says repeatedly, go back, go back, go back. It made me wonder, and it's appropriate for this series, it made me wonder, where did they stop? Where would they have stopped? Where's the most likely place that Naomi would have said, ah, let's stop because it's going to get bad from here on out. Now's the, t- now's the chance. If you're going to go back, this is the point. You know, you think about, you watch the old movies, you know, you're wa- walking somebody to, the, and they go where? If they go to the edge of town, and it's like, all right, now's your chance. You can go back now, because once we, once we get out on the, on the dirt road, we're committed. So you kind of think of it as, you know, were they on the edge of town? Where were they? Where were they? Where would they have been on this journey? So I did a couple of things. I looked historically. What are the historic spots in Moab where stops were made? Where did they typically stop in Scripture? What, and what was the purpose in their, in their stopping there? So historically, there's two locations in Moab where um, if you're making a journey from Moab and you're headed to Israel, there's two points in which you would stop. Um, the first one, and I think it's a high degree of probability that this is, this is the path that they would have taken and this is where they would have stopped. The first stop is a place called Mount Nebo. Mount Nebo is in Moab. So if you were to go to, Mo, if you were to, go to Moab today, you would actually be in the country of Jordan. Okay, so you have, remember the two sons of Lot that were conceived by, the, by the, uh, his daughters? It was Ammon, think Ammon, Jordan, and then you have the, the south of there is Moab. So both of those at one point, it was Ammon and Moab. Now we have Ammon, Jordan, a city, and Moab is no longer used. But where is Moab? Moab would be central Jordan. And so if we head north on our map, I don't know if we have the map. Do we have the, are the maps on this one? I think we do have a map. All right, all right. So you see where, you see where Mount Nebo is. You're, at, you're in Moab, which that's the, northern, the most northern part of Moab. Mount Nebo. Anybody know what happened in Mount Nebo? All right, I'll, I'll refresh your memory. Um, Moses wanted to head to the promised land, and God said, I'm going to show it to you, but you're not going to enter. In fact, that's where Moses dies. He dies in Moab. Where? At the top of Mount Nebo in Moab, where Naomi and Ruth uh, are at, where Orpah is at. That's, that's where they're at. They're in Moab, the same place. Okay? So standing there, let's go back to the picture. where. So this is the view. This is the view. This is what Moses saw. And I love this because if you were to go there today, you'd have a little map. Right there, and it says, if you look this way, you're going to see this. You look this way. Now, I don't know if you can see it all, so we're going to walk through a little bit of it uh, with you. And I've got some of it mapped out. But this is the place where Moses saw the promised land. This is where he died. I'm going to start on the, the right-hand side, and then we're going to work our way left toward Bethlehem. Now, I want you to consider this. On a clear day, you can see all of these places from Mount Nebo. You can see them. From a distance. 
The first is, is Lake Tiberias. It's what they call it today. We would have called it the Sea of Galilee. Okay? That's what we call it. We call it the Sea of Galilee. It is about 66 miles from Mount Nebo. But on a clear day, you can see it. You can see the Sea of Galilee. The next is Nablus. You see, it might, you might not be able to see, but there's a little city that says way up at the top right, Nablus. That's Shechem. So if you look on our map, you see Shechem. By the way, where's Shechem today? Anybody know? West Bank. Samaria. <laughs> okay, I'm telling you, it all makes sense when you start looking and you put, oh, that's West Bank and Samaria. Oh, Gaza Strip is where the Philistines hung out. Oh, and you start, you start putting it in biblical terms, all these locations and historically how they've always caused Israel trouble. Okay, so we have Nablus, that's Shechem. What happened in Shechem? We saw it earlier this year. This is where Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman. Okay, it's a major city now in West Bank. Next over, we have Jericho. Jericho is just on the other side of the Jordan River. This is where Joshua is going to conquer the city. It's where he's going to meet uh, Rahab. This is about 17 miles away. So from where you're standing, follow that line out, and you'll kind of see that that's where Jericho would be, about 17 miles out. Uh, Ramallah. It's an interesting name, but that's its Arab name. Allah, Ram Allah. So they're naming it after Allah. This is Rama, Rama. Uh, this is this is the land where the prophet Samuel, the guy who wrote the book Ruth, this is his homeland. This is where he's from. Okay, uh, so today, where is that city? West Bank. Then we have Jerusalem. Then we have Mount Mount the Mount of Olives. Uh, that's the capital city of Israel. It's about 28 miles. Then we have Qumran. Anybody know what happened in Qumran? Dead Sea Scrolls. That's where the Dead Sea Scrolls are discovered at Qumran. Next, we have Bethlehem. That's where Ruth and Naomi are headed. This is going to be the city of David. This is the birthplace of Jesus. It's 31 miles as the crow flies from Mount Nebo. Then we have Herodium. Herodium is mentioned here. It's, it literally is the backyard just south of Bethlehem. And this one fascinates me because the, the maybe a little bit of irony going on here. Herodium is where Herod the Great built his palace. Who's Herod the Great? Herod the Great is the one that said, kill all the young boys of a certain age because he, he was threatened by the, the one that was, was destined to become king. And so he wanted to kill Jesus, kill him off at a very early age. So he just said, kill, kill all of them. Look where his palace is. It's the backyard of Bethlehem. Uh, so Jesus was born just right, just right there in fact, Herodium oversees the shepherd's fields. Where did the angels first appear and make the announcement that this king is coming? In Herod's backyard, in the shepherd's fields, the angels show up and say, this is King Herod, that's King Jesus. And the angels were right there, right there in between the two. Quite fascinating, actually. Then we have uh, Hebron. This is where the Abrahamic covenant was made. It's about 40 miles. So here on Mount Nebo, 
is this incredible view of Israel, and you can even see Bethlehem from this point. When you look at the natural way to cross the Jordan River and head back over into Israel, this would be a natural stopping point. It probably, I think it's with high probability, this is where they stopped. This is where Naomi said, I want you to look. Look at the terrain. Look how hard it's going to be. I want you to see it's a lot of ups and downs. It's not an easy task. It's going to be a very difficult walk. We've got to go down this mountain. We have to go into the plains, what's called the plains of Moab. And that's the backdrop. That's the backdrop of where Naomi and Orpah and Ruth, this is the best time for, for them to head back because the travel's not easy. 